don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Work smarter, not harder. I totally agree, and so does Feng Shui. Today, on this episode of Big Design, Small Budget, we are maximizing our time spent at work through the principles of Feng Shui. There are lots of little things that you can do to clear space in your home office, in your real office, or just in your mind to make room for wealth and abundance and stop spinning your wheels and start turning that into real earnings. So we're going to talk about it today. Big Design Small Budget. I'm Betsy Helmuth. Let's talk money. So feng shui is such a great thing because we can harness the power of the universe's energy in our homes, in our offices to really grow wealth and focus on what we want more of. Today, we want more money. That is the focus of this episode. And the first thing I want to address even though it doesn't have much to do with decor, is that a lot of us have negative feelings around money. Perhaps there's some anxiety around money in terms of bills that are due. Perhaps there's feelings from your childhood about lack of abundance or about other people having money and you not having enough. I'm sure that there's lots of mixed emotions regarding money in almost all of us. And what is really powerful is to make note of that, to take out a piece of paper and to write down any feelings that come up for you about money and anxiety, money and pressure, money and lack, and write all of that down. Really get specific, really spend some time, maybe block out 15 minutes, put on the timer and just go, just onto the page, right? Once you've got that big page or pages of thoughts and feelings that are negative around money, I want you to do something physical with it. I want you to rip it up. I want you to crumple it up. I want you to burn it up. I want you to do something to get rid of that. And that will be a great foundation for starting our path to wealth. All right, so now that we've gotten rid of all of our negative feelings about money, let's start building wealth first in our home or in our office. The best thing that you can do is start with the entryway. A strong entry into your office or home will really set the stage. They call it the mouth of chi, and chi is just the energy that comes in with you or that is around. So, How we build a strong entryway is that we make sure that around your front door, whether it's an apartment door, an office door, or your home, is that it's well painted. It's not chipping. It's not rusty. When you open it, it doesn't creak or squeak. It opens with ease. The other thing that we want to do is make sure that it looks nice so that it has some curb appeal when people are walking up to your door, that it looks really professional and that it looks really inviting. We also want to clear out any old decor. So if you have the Christmas wreath still up, hello, it's May, people. If you have, you know, a garland, if you have Easter eggs hidden on either side of the door, it's time to get rid of those and really change things out for the new season. Having decor that's seasonal, in other words, a garland of flowers in the spring, maybe something cute in the summer. I don't know. This is more Martha Stewart's turf than mine. But having fresh, seasonal, up-to-date decor on your front door shows that you're in sync with the earth cycles 
and it just lets out good, prosperous energy, and it's quite inviting. So think about that. The other thing that we want is we want your front door to be completely unobstructed. So I want you to be able to open it without hitting anything else, and that means fully open it. So many of my clients keep a coat tree behind their front door, keep a pile of shoes behind their front door, or have stuff that makes it difficult to fully extend. And that is unacceptable and really bad feng shui. Now that we have a fully unobstructed front door, the next thing that we want to do is reduce our clutter. And of course, that's nice. That's nice overall, but especially in those areas where we're working hard to build abundance, a home office, your professional office, reduce as much clutter as possible so that you can clearly see what you're working with and pave the path for prosperity. Now, according to feng shui, There is a prosperity corner in your home, in any space really. And the best way, the fastest way to find that prosperity corner is to look at your entry door. So everybody in your mind's eye and vision where your entry is and the farthest left-hand corner from that. So it's not the corner that's closest to you on the same line. It's typically on the diagonal, the farthest left hand. That's your prosperity corner, your corner for abundance. That's the corner we're focusing on today when we're talking about these remedies. So think about that. Think about it whether you're in your office or home. Have you got that in mind, that far left-hand corner that's typically on a diagonal from your front door? Okay, good. So now that we all have that in our minds, let's talk about how we can increase prosperity there. You could put a plant there. The best plants for prosperity, according to feng shui, are jade plants and money plants. And I really love both of these plants because it's very difficult to kill them. I do not have a particularly green thumb, but luckily money plants and jade plants just need a little bit of water every so often, a little bit of light every now and again. They are so low maintenance. Love it. The other thing that you can do with these plants to help boost their money-making potential is that you can tape money underneath them. So you can either tape it or just rest it below the planter. And as the plant grows, that money energy seeps into the planter and grows with it. So under my plants and stalks of bamboo, I tape coins. You could just put a loose 20 under there. Um, So there we go. A couple ideas for you in terms of maximizing that plant potential. You also could um, clean the windows over there. So cleaning windows in your abundance corner signifies that you're able to see new opportunities. You're able to see things with fresh eyes and you're able to see quite clearly all the new opportunities that are potentially in your path. Now, if your dining area happens to fall in your abundance corner, which mine does, that's a really good sign. And there are some quick and easy ways that we can enhance the dining area's potential to help our prosperity. But even if it doesn't, the dining area is just a general area of abundance and wealth. So it's a really great place because, you know, you fill your table with bounty and it represents what you were able to accumulate. And potentially, I guess we could think of food as nature's money. What do we think? That's the first time I ever thought about that. Nature's money. Food. Hmm. Something to think about. Anyway, um, 
Enhancing the feng shui in our dining room could be done by hanging a mirror so that it reflects the food on your dining table, thus doubling your bounty, thus doubling your wealth. So I do love to hang a mirror in a dining area. The other thing I was reading about is that if you hang pictures of things that are appetizing in your dining area, that will also increase your appetite for making money or for abundance. So think about finding some pictures of some delicious food or somebody eating food potentially if you want to incorporate. A lot of my clients want to incorporate family pictures in a dining area. Maybe it's family pictures of you guys at holiday meal times because those are generally times when there's a lot of abundance on the table and something that you may want to remember but also bring more of into this space. The other thing that you can do to increase your wealth, whether you're going on a job interview or you're just meeting with important clients, is I was reading that you should wear jewelry made of citrine or pyrite because not only will those draw money to you, but they will also increase your self-esteem. So maybe you have an audition that you're really nervous about for a big project that could really bring in a lot of revenue. Or like I was saying, you're going on that job interview. Look for something that's citrine or pyrite. I myself have a couple of big opportunities coming up and I have got to go get a citrine necklace. Oh my goodness, where can I buy one of those? I'll be Googling later today. The other thing that we could harness is the power of color. So the colors of wealth, according to feng shui, are red, blue, or green. Now, we wouldn't want to use all those colors together unless it really matches your motif in your home or office. But you can choose one or choose two. Now, the thing that is so important, and I think I mentioned that affordable interior design is adding feng shui services to its list of exciting design offerings. And we have a great new consultant, Carlene Janjulis. And she was giving me some feng shui advice the other day. And it was so interesting. It's something that I'd never heard before. And it really resonated with me. And it helped me to realize that I have been doing feng shui all wrong for all these years. And I have been loving feng shui all these years. So this was a game changer for me. All these things that I'm talking about, wearing the citrine jewelry, putting red or blue in your home, getting a jade plant, hanging images of food that's appetizing, all these things we discuss are well and good, but they mean nothing if you don't do them with intention. Because so many times I was buying a money plant for my office. So many times I was taping coins under my planter. And I was just doing it because they said to do it in the feng shui books. But next time I do it, I'm going to do it with a specific intention. As I'm at Home Depot or Ikea selecting that exact plant. As I'm pulling off the tape to tape the quarters under my stalks of bamboo. I'm going to be telling myself... Each step of the way, why I'm doing it. I am picking off this piece of tape. I am selecting this quarter that has my birth year. I am selecting this many stalks of bamboo. I am painting the walls red. I am making these choices to enhance my prosperity. So I thought that was huge because like I said, I've been going through the motions for years, but I think if you set that intention each step of the way, then each time you look at that mirror above the dining table, each time you look at that bright blue entry door, it will remind you 
it will help reinforce the intention that you've tried to create in the first place. So I just thought that was huge. That's huge. If you take nothing else away from this feng shui four-part series, please take that because it has been the most impactful for me. You know, just taking a moment to really center yourself and to be clear about what you want, that translates across more than just feng shui for me. I don't know about you. Hello. So now that we're feeling prosperous and rich, let's reach into our old mailbag. Into the old mailbag. So I got this note this week from Kara. Kara writes, Hi Betsy, love your podcast and have ordered your book. I'm so excited to read it. I have a question. We'll likely move in the next four months and I have a chance to start over with many rooms. What is your order of design when tackling a room? What steps do you recommend in what order? Thanks so much, Kara. Well, I have a very specific way that I think everyone should work when they get the opportunity to design from scratch or when they get the opportunity to just design in a big way. Because a lot of us can't design from scratch. We're bringing a few things with us. But if you get to choose a whole bunch of new things, more than just four or five, I have a very specific way that I work. So the first thing, it sounds like you have a lot of different rooms. You want to select the room that you want to work on. What room is bugging you most? I find in my home or when I work with clients, their main area of priority is a public space, like a living room, a dining room, a family room, where they're going to be welcoming a lot of people and they want to put a good foot forward. They want to make sure that they make a great impression. And I think that's wonderful. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's super intuitive. It makes you more excited to entertain, which enhances all sorts of aspects of your life. My issue with that is that sometimes the private rooms, and I know this is the case in my home, get forgotten. In other words, when I know companies coming over, the areas I clean first and foremost are all the main areas and I leave those private areas like the bedrooms or the home office a little bit messy. So I just want to make sure that those areas don't get overlooked for you in your design when you're allocating your budget only because they're very important areas even if they're areas that only you and your intimates see. So putting that out there. All right so now you've got the main rooms that you want to focus on. The next thing is I design everything all at once. Now you're saying to yourself, Betsy, I can't afford to buy everything for my living room all at once. I'm going to have to stagger it out. Shouldn't I just be shopping for the couch I love and then looking for the rug I love and then looking for the armchair I love? Absolutely not. So I want you to think of your overarching budget. What is your entire budget for this room? And you're like, Betsy, I don't know. I can't figure it out. Here's how you figure out your budget for that room. What number would make you uncomfortable? So what number would you not want to exceed? Is that number 3,000? Is it 10,000? Lock in on that number where if you went a penny over it, you start to sweat a little bit. Well, there we go. That's your budget. So now, Carol, you have a budget for that room. The next thing that we want to do is design everything. So I want to choose the sofa. I want to choose the rug. I want to choose the throw pillows. I'm going to go online and pick the artwork. I'm going to pick everything right down to the lamps, side tables, etc. 
I'm going to have a big shopping list in mind. Because if you just buy things one by one by one, you'll get a whole bunch of things that you really like, but that may not go together. I think it is so much better to have that vision board, that mood board, or that plan of items that look really great together, that all relate to each other, that have been selected together, and then execute that vision little by little. That's the way you're going to wind up with the most cohesive look for your space. It's going to look very intentional because there was an intention when you started the design. It didn't just evolve and sort of happen to you. You had a clear goal, a clear look in mind. I always pick the paint color last. So once I've chosen everything I'm going to put in that room, then I select the paint color because then I know exactly how much color is going on. If the rug is quite colorful, if the pillows are pops of color, I think I'd prefer a neutral wall. If I've got a lot of neutrals going on with just a few muted tones, I think I'm going to need some colorful walls to pump that up. And it is so much easier to pick from a thousand different paint colors than to find a rug that goes with the paint color you previously selected. So I always start by picking everything first. Then I choose the paint color. But I actually, in terms of execution, always paint first because while it's the thing I do last, I don't want to move the furniture. I don't want my new pieces to get paint on them. So I pick the paint last, but do the painting first. While I've got the painters in there, I order everything. Now, some of us may not have the luxury to order everything at once, but that's how I like to work. I like to order everything the day the painters are there. It always takes them a little bit longer than they say, and oftentimes things arrive a little bit sooner than you expect. So I like to have that buffer of time when the paint is dry, the fumes are gone, and in comes my sofa. Now, you are worried. You are thinking to yourself, Betsy, I created this big list. I can't financially execute it all at once. I'm going to have to buy in stages. What if my items sell out? That is a very real possibility. And... I'm not that worried about it because you can find items that are similar to it. You can, if it's on overstock, request that they send you an update when it's back in stock. It's quick. It's easy. There's a little box for your email address. So I still think it's better to have that holistic vision, even if a couple of things you have to find substitutions for, at least you know exactly what you're looking for in terms of color, shape, size, pattern. And it will still look very cohesive if you just incorporate those replacements that are quite similar to the originals. Now, what should you buy first if you're staging these things out? The first thing that you want to buy are the items that are on sale because those have the highest risk of leaving and potentially not coming back. So I really do focus in on sale items, especially if there's some that I just adore. I also focus in on items from Overstock or Wayfair because the inventory is in flux and so things might be here today, gone in two months. And then the other thing that I focus on if we still have some budget left over is the biggest item. So for instance, in the living room, I want to get the couch. I want to start sitting on that awesome couch tomorrow. In the bedroom, I get the bed. I want to start laying there. I want to build my design around it. I want to have that biggest piece in place so that all the other pieces can just fall in line in context to it. In the dining room, I'm buying the table, even if I have to wait a little bit for the chairs. Then 
I buy the little things. So when I'm staging everything out, the next thing I buy are the little things. The things I don't even think about, the things that don't even enter my consciousness until my entire room is done are the accents. And by accents, I mean figurines on a bookcase. I mean decorative frames on a mantle. I mean centerpiece on a dining table. Those little finishing touches that will in fact make the space look magazine ready. But you don't know what's missing. You don't know where you want to draw people's eyes until you've completed the look. So I buy the throw pillows, the blankets, the rugs, everything like that, the sofa, the chairs. But I really wait. Sometimes my clients try and push me a little bit. They're like, Betsy, go ahead and put in the bookends. Betsy, go ahead and add in something to just put on my console. And I see why you would want me to do that. It definitely will look a little empty without it. But I do it at the very end when I can step back Maybe even take pictures of the room so I can see where things look a little bit empty. And then I think about feng shui. Remember those five elements that we discussed? Fire, wood, water, earth, and metal? Those five elements all need to be in play in this room. So I look around the room. If I'm having a lot of wood going on, a lot of upholstery, a lot of metal items, the thing I want to bring in is some glass because it's really feeling quite heavy and that texture is missing. So I'll bring in a glass coffee table or I'll bring in some acrylic bookends or I'll bring in an acrylic base on a lamp. It doesn't have to be glass, but that clear quality will really help to round out the room. If I'm looking around a room and again, it has a ton of wood textures because so many spaces that I see are just wood factories, man. Um, So you have a lot of wood textures and you have a lot of metal pieces, but it just doesn't feel cozy then what I need to bring in are some warm, rich fabrics. I need extra throw blankets. I need to bring in something that feels cozy and maybe I'll do it with color, like a red, orange, or yellow. So I just ask myself, what does the space need? Does it need to feel warmer and cozier? Does it need a balance of the elements and the fact that I haven't used anything clear or glass? Does it need a little more strength? Does it look a little bit muted? and boring. I might bring in something black to really put things into context and give that room some cojones. So these are the things I think about when I'm waiting at the very end to put my little touches of icing on my cake. So there we are, Kara. I hope that was helpful. Before we go, I have a really big announcement. This Wednesday, May 18th, from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I will be hosting a Facebook Live design Q&A. So join us at Facebook at Affordable Interior Design's page. Affordable Interior Design is sponsoring this Facebook Live event. So log on there anytime between 3 and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on May 18th. You can join the conversation by writing in the comments and I'll answer your question live on the air. You could sit back and just watch the whole thing go down or you could email me your questions in advance at Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com and I'll answer them on air and you could go back to the Facebook page later and watch it at your convenience. But I sure hope you'll join us and participate in my first live event.
I want to send a big thanks to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller. I also love Aton and the Embassy. Never gets old, guys. Just never gets old. And a super big thanks to Affordable Interior Design. They are the sponsor of this show, and they have a ton of amazing design packages from feng shui to online design to paint consultations. Give them a call, 917-767-2313, and see how they can help you achieve the look of your dreams on your budget. Thanks, guys, for listening. It's been a pleasure. Rate and review us on iTunes, and until next Tuesday. Bye. Walking the streets like a dog, it's